to hold in the palm of your intellect the fist of your intellect and know it completely and be above it in that sense, that will not be possible. How can a finite know the infinite? That's a mathematical Zen cone. How can the finite know the infinite? If the infinite decides to let itself be known, then it's possible because it's infinite. It can do anything. There's no limitations there. So on, on reality's terms, we will know reality. Not on our terms. Not that we bring it down within our world of the smallness of it. It's pretty small. We're pretty petty. At least I am. Petty people. Hmm? Compared to, to, to the great people mystics and the kind of the quality of life that they show. So, it, as I say, a participatory orientation to life fosters a way of knowing, an intuitive way of knowing, at least a theoretically a way of knowing that if there's anything out there, it'll be on the screen. It, it'll show up. I mean, if it's greater than ourself, it's not going to come under the screen of controlling it, where that's the, the way of knowing. And should it show up, then what is the what is the what is the meta narrative? What is the worldview that comes out of that? Then that there's a supernatural, and what is the result of that? That is enlightenment. That is fulfillment. So, I think poetry is a better language. Math, it's a good choice. Poetry unto itself. I mean, Aristotle wouldn't have, or Plato, I guess I should say, wouldn't have thought of it exactly like that, because poetry can be kind of the sensuous, too, as opposed to logic. But whenever Plato talked about the transcendence, he talked about it poetically. So there's a kind of, a, therefore, mystic poetry, not just ordinary poetry, but poetry backed by mysticism, mystic knowing. And then the attempt to talk about that knowing, that that uh, the talk can't do justice to it, do it with poetry. Try something like that. And, uh, and, uh, and, it's, and invite people by it to participate in it. You know, credo is the, I guess, Latin word for, for, for belief. And belief is, means something to us now in English, but originally in the old world, in the pre-modern world, if you will, then it meant a call to action, actually, to doing something. And so it, 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 it corresponded with knowing also, realizing. It's not just an intellectual affair, a mental affair, believing, but a call to... So the mystics would speak in a compelling way about their experience, and we would be called to believe in it. Hmm? You follow? And follow it. Become a yogi, a yogin. And, you know, take a swallow. It's a challenge, like I say. It's, it's radical to really... And you have some teacher that would be useful, and he she won't be easy on you always, either. <laughs> it's not just patting you on the back. All, all lotus flowers and... And, uh, you know, it may talk poetically, but it's a bitter pill to swallow all these uh, ideas. It may sound beautiful, but to digest it all and actually make it your life. And this is how we should hear. In spiritual gathering, we should listen. We should try to listen in such a way that we can get just something. And, and, and we know that's true. Now make it part of your life. Not just, it's not just here, you know. I talk and it's, I try to arrange my feelings if you will, my, my insight, my realization in a logical way, you know, all intelligent, educated, logical people and so forth. But you, know, you listen and you think, yeah, maybe, maybe not. And then you're kind of like, does it make sense? And if it does, you let it in. But if I can 
be effective enough, you stop thinking and just go in. My feeling could go in. And you won't even know it. <laughs> ah, but it may cause some change. Hmm? And with such inspiration, then we can find a good guide. Hmm? And be prepared to be, be, be schooled in, in this kind of in, in spiritual knowing. And as I say, it just won't be flattering you. No. Be kind to us. And we don't want to, what do they say? Spoil, spare the rod, spoil the yogi. <laughs> so, so some discipline and objectivity. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not artificial. We want to be objective. We want to be detached. And we want to see the world for, for what it is from the yogic perspective. But we're stuck with it, too. We, we're, we are attached to it. So it's gradual. And... Uh, and anyway, it's, it's nice to meet all you serious people interested in yoga. So, let me stop for a minute here. We will, we'll sing some. This is a beautiful song that uh, I'm going to sing. I'll try to accompany him and my good uh, student here, Gurnishtawil, and Chittahari, both of them will, will play along. It's, um, it's a song written in, uh, as I said, I think earlier in the 16th century in Sanskrit. It's a short poem, really, and Agni Davis put it to song kind of a haunting, uh, chanting melody. And um, we don't have time to explain the whole thing. That'd be, we'd be into the wee hours here, but I'll try to say a few words uh, about it and um, go from there. Thank you. Song by Rupa Goswami, and uh, I spoke a little bit earlier about the idea that uh, transcendence or enlightenment must have some positive content and constitute more than just removal of the negative. And in a sense, we we talked about the negative in terms of karmic implication and the kind of movement that is obligatory. In other words, we've, we've taken and therefore we, we owe. And so we have to continue to move. We take because we, we, um, we feel empty because we've identified with matter rather than with ourselves. And matter is, well, really rather empty. It really wouldn't matter if there wasn't anybody, any consciousness to matter about it. So when consciousness, use our other example, becomes a couch potato, then it's, it's a problem. When it gets taken over by matter, identifies itself with matter, then it feels empty, unfulfilled. So then we, we move out of necessity to take, and we take and we exploit and on every, every level. And, uh, and then we owe. This is the karmic bind and implication. So... To stop that movement, the right is to become still. But we talked about about a kind of transcendent movement, nonetheless. And I think the appropriate term for that is lila. So this is a lila song. Lila means play. So play is not obligatory, right? That's what you do when you want when you don't want anything. <laughs> you just play. You feel full, so you you play. So 
Um, in our particular tradition, we're, we're perennialists, of course, but this is a particular strand of perennialism, a peculiar one, maybe, with an emphasis on, on, a, on a love metaphysic. And knowledge may make you still, but love will cause you to move. So the Sanskrit term we use for this is lila. Lila means play, again, as opposed to work. Voluntarily, uh, voluntary. It's, it's a must. It's, I guess it's a, it's a, you're pressed to play, but out of, out of fullness, not obliged to do so because you owe. So there's a lila song. Lila songs tend to be specific about the nature of the play of the absolute, um, as opposed to a mystic poem that is more uh, general and speaks about transcendence in a, in a more uh, abstract way. There's kind of some specificity to this. Let me give you an example. In Bhagavad Gita, in the 11th chapter, some of you must be familiar with the Gita, Gita Upanishad, Krishna is sitting on the chariot with his friend Arjuna and he shows, this, he shows the whole world is inside of himself. It's abstract, universal form. And so he shows, I, I guess, I'm God. Everything's inside of me. I'm, and uh, it's, it's moving, but Arjuna is, is moved away from it. It's like, oh my God, you're God. And so some distance is, is created. He doesn't like the distance. He wants more closeness, more intimacy with the Godhead. And uh, so he prefers the two-handed form of Krishna. In this case, the chariot driver, but more well-known as the, the flute player. He wants intimacy with the Godhead. This is a form that affords such intimacy and um, and play. You, know, you can't play with somebody who's everywhere. <laughs> He's got to be somewhere at the same time. So to be everywhere and move at the same time, that's a trick. And that's uh, the nature of ultimate reality as we see it. So this Leela is a kind of a, a play. It looks like part of the the world of forms and names that we are kind of to move back from. Um, but it's of another nature altogether. Otherwise, why Arjuna, for example, in Gita is so interested in that? And of course, the specificity of the form of Krishna, if you will, is if you think about it in terms of a love metaphysic, it's something that facilitates love. The more you know about someone who's lovable, the more you're going to love them. Hmm? So the specificity, the, the form, you know, the, the color of the color in, in, in Indian aesthetics. Every emotion has a color, so the color of romantic love is sham. It's like like a rain cloud, full, and just about to burst forth with with rain and give uh, and shower you with with life. And uh, so the mystics, the in our tradition, they depicted, they experienced the absolute like sham, this complected, and and not old man with a white beard. On a cloud, keeping score, but uh, but youthful, hmm? eternally youthful. I mean, youth is a valuable commodity. Everybody wants youth, except young people. They want to get older, but uh, everybody else wants the youth. It's uh, a valuable uh, time, formative years. So they envisioned the absolute as youthful and sham, conflicted, and 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 you know, Nietzsche is God, if you will, if you'd known about it who's dancing, he said. If there's a God, he'd be dancing. Well, he is. And such is the nature of the Leela. It's a movement. It's, this, it's Brahman. 
this is the Sanskrit term for the absolute Brahman, but dancing, moving. What, that movement is not caused by some karmic necessity. This is Brahman, it's full. But by Shakti, influence of Shakti. And, it's, and it, it means, oh, to use it, it sounds like a tautology, but being exists. Of course, you'd say. <laughs> but it, implied in that is that is that being exists. There's a power to exist, and a power by which existence becomes knowable. We call this in Sanskrit shakti. So there's a in our particular tradition there, there there's there's the shakti of Maya, right of, of illusion. There's the shakti that we ourselves are constituted of as a jeev, a unit of consciousness. And there's another shakti, kind of an internal shakti of, of, of the absolute that causes that, that Brahman to dance and take shape in eternity and play. And this is what the name Radha means, right? Shakti. We, Krishna is considered in the Upanishad, like Gopal Tap in the Upanishad, the supreme Brahman, joy itself. So in most religious traditions, God is the most worshipable object. In our tradition, we look at Radha as the worshipable object of God. So that's pretty unique and different. The idea is that it's a kind of a duad, if you will, uh, uh, Radha, Krishna, they're one, and they complement one another. And Absolute is, it was envisioned by Rupa Goswami in this way. And then he sings in his song, it's a glorification of Radha and this um, this power of knowing through this internal shakti. He says, Radhe, means, oh Radha, jai jai madhava daite, gokul taruni mandalum mohite, mandal. Radha means aradhana, aradhana. Aradhana means best worship, best worship. Now worship, what is best worship? Actually, best worship is love. Because what happens in love is the worshiper and the worshipped between whom there is some distance and a bridge to be gapped in worship is bridged. Do you follow me? So worship, there's a lower kind of worship, there's ritualistic worship, there's a religious, as I said earlier, orientation in life, and there's a spiritual orientation in life. You may have to pass through a religious and ritualistic orientation to enter into that. Kind of the realm of ritual, if you will, is kind of like this in-between matter and consciousness world where there are elements from this world and elements from that world. We bring this, the deity and everybody's offering flowers and so on. There's om and this and procedures and that don't make sense in this world. But in the realm of ritual, they do. And they foster a kind of experience then that takes one uh, over that bridge, they want to cross that bridge of worship where, where there's the worshiper and the worshipped, and there's a union, a kind of a dynamic union, which love is a dynamic union. It's not a static union. By that I mean there's you, there's you, and there's me, let's say, and we, we love one another. So you and I, in that union, do not do away with one another. You and I become we. It's a... It's a it's another thing, so to speak. And so there's a unity and there's a difference uh, kind of at the same time that causes the possibility of movement. If the unity 
is simply a doing away with the diversity that gets in the way of unity in this world, your perceptions and mine, what you think is good, what I think is bad, you think it's hot, I say turn on the fan. We're distancing ourselves from one another. To transcend that and come to union, which we all pine for, uh, we also pine for difference in our individuality. So to combine these two, this is the idea of Leela. So there's play in transcendence. There's positive movement there. And, um, and Radha, Aradhana, means the best kind of worship. So the Radha, to talk about it universally rather than in terms of specifics and the Leela and what's, what the play is, what the drama is there and so forth. Aradhana means, as I say, best worship. So the idea is here. Jaya Jaya Radhe Jaya Jaya Madhava Gokutarani Mandalamati. That victory means Jaya. May Radha, may this kind of worship that Radha personifies, that is, that is love, where where the worshiper, you know, becoming love. That's the idea. Here's the Godhead. Here we are, and here's love. This is drawing both together here. Krishna is bowing his head there, at her feet. We are bowing our head there. She is the deity that exemplifies what we want to be, like her, like a Gukul Taruni. Gukul Taruni, Radhe Jai Jai Madhava, Doite, Gukul Taruni, Mandala Mohite. That land of Leela is depicted as a mandala, circular, not a line. <laughs> not like that. Huh? A line, you know, we think in the world of, of a, the, that the, Life is linear, progressive. It's just getting better and better and improving and improving. <laughs> it's a lot to consider. The, 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 the good reason to consider that's not the case, but we, we often think of it like that. Science tends to have us think of it like that. Uh, Christianity, too. Uh, a line. You know, a line promotes you know, randomness. And if you take a dot on a line, you can only understand it anything in relation to something else. You can only describe it in relation to something else. So if you separate it from every other line, then you yeah, there are the dot, you can't describe it. All you can just use to describe it is this relationship to the past, but you can't trace out the past, so you can't get anywhere. But circle, that is that is that promotes like the idea of purpose and and, and, and meaning and completeness. And any dot on there is it's it's connected to the other one. And you can locate meaning everywhere along the line. So this mystic Rupa Goswami, he, he saw ultimate reality as like the ultimate circle, mandal, gokul mandal, gokul mandal. Go, go means cow. <laughs> and kul means family, cow family, circle of the cow family. It sounds a little odd, but that's poetry. Gokul taruni, he says, gokul mandala mohite. Gokul taruni mandala mohite. This mandala of Gokul, what does it mean? You know, you have seen pictures of Krishna. He's got the cows, and uh, he likes cows. And his name is Govinda, Gopal. These are all names in relation to cows. But what's with the cows? People would say. Cow means this. This is the idea. Cow is a giver. Cows eat grass. We have cows at our ashram, right? We go to the store to buy the best feed, right? High quality grass, to the extent that we don't, we aren't able to grow it. We're also growing pasture grass, but, and then they say, well, uh, I'd like to get some, uh, some, some feed. Uh, what are you getting for horses or cows? 
uh, we're giving cows. Well, they can give you anything. You can give them the straw over here. That's cheap. And we, we go, we want to get the best grasses. We always do, but they, 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 it's true, though. They can get nutrition and value from just about anything. Just about anything. Any, 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 uh, the, the other animals, uh, other, like, like horses, grazing animals can't get nutrition from. So, practically for nothing, right? Because grass grows for free. <laughs> so it grows for free. So for nothing, they're taking, in other words, in order to sustain themselves, is so minimal. What they need to be complete or to be what they are is so minimal that practically they're only giving. The taking is so minimal. They're taking what's being offered freely if they're allowed to live their life as they should and to just pass through the fields. And, and then what do they give? So much giving is there from the cow, from milk. You know, we, have, we milk our own cows and so forth. So that's such a rich food. It's, it's a magical food, what you do with milk. To cook with milk is just fascinating. What Turn it into cheese and yogurt and butter and ghee. And, and um, it, all of that is inside of milk. It all comes out. And very nourishing, too, for, the, for, the, for human society. Very nourishing, tasteful, and so forth. The dung of the cow, then we are collecting that. We go around collecting it at the ashram. It's an energy source. Right, and you can make, uh, you can, uh, and of course, we use it mostly for, for the, for, for growing. We grow all our own vegetables and so forth. And, uh, and, um, even in Costa Rica, we have another monster. We grow our own grains, our own corn, and make, uh, flour from, and rice, and so forth. And so, this is a valuable, I mean, what, what species excrement is, is, is that is so valuable as the cow? And, 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 uh, and they give a lot of it too. A lot of it. We could go on, but the point is that the cow in Indian culture, in the yogic uh, kind of worldview coming out of out of India, is is seen as a giver, really a, a, a goddess of giving to human society. I watched a film a couple of months back, a documentary on cows. It was very well done. It was a PBS documentary and, uh, and very interesting. And at a certain point, when they were tracing out the history of cows and humans, the, the narrator said, it's not clear in human history, or in history, I should say, it's not clear in history, whether the humans domesticated the cows or the cows domesticated the humans. Hmm? It, the meeting of the two, anyway, is kind of, in one sense, the birth of civilization as opposed to like hunting and gathering. Now we've got agriculture and growing and you know, the cow is helping with the bull plowing and, 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 and um, you know, rather than eat, eat the cow, it might get you through one winter, but if you use the cow to till the field, you can store up a whole bin of grains and live for, for a few years and so forth. So, uh, valuable animal. Hmm? And a giver. So, Gokul Taroni, this world, this mandala, this circle of, of, of leela, of play, that goes round and round and round and... Uh, and eternally, each moment of it uh, replaying itself, but, but new and fresh, uh, nonetheless, at the same time. The mystics are meditating, experiencing it, entering into it, into that. And they call it, he's called it Gokulmandal, cow family circle. And the idea is this. 
We are to become givers to enter into that family. We are to become givers. Love is about giving, to give. And, and give means you can't expect anything in return, right? If you expect, then you're not entirely giving. So to give without any expectation in return. And to do that, there's two things you need to find, I think. You need to find a center that can take completely. If you want to give without limitation, all that you have to give, you have to find something some, so they can take it all. You might not be able to take all of my love. Right? So we have to find the center. That, that's, that's, the, that's what the meaning Krishna is. The center, who can take it all. That may sound a little, whoa. Uh, but, but the one who can, t- the center that can take it all, if the love is reposed there, then what happens? Because it's an appropriate taker, because it is the center, then it's mystically distributed everywhere. Like the center of my body, in one sense, is the stomach for as far as food intake. I've got to put the food there. If the tongue complains, why are we sending it to the stomach? Why don't you just keep it here? That'll be a problem. No, I want to give it to the center, because why? Tongue will be nourished that way. Right? Because when the food goes to the stomach, mystically it's digested and energy is sent to every part of the body. So if we want to give unlimitedly, as we should, we should try. There's yoga for that, to come to that. We have to have a center, a proper center that can take unlimitedly. And if it truly is that center, then it will be giving unlimitedly, transforming that love in such a way that we can all take advantage of it. Second thing we need in place besides finding the perfect center, the complete taker, is we have to give without, without qualification, without motive, without expectation of return. That's what the song is talking about when it talks about Radha, that kind of worship that, that, that causes the, the bridge between worshiper and worshiper to be gapped and the union of love to be forged. And the cow, as I said, personifies, in a way, this giving idea. And so, what is the point? The point is, we, well, we think, if I just give, who's going who's to take care of me? You might be a little worried about that. Of course, it has to be a, a knowledgeable giving, as I'm explaining. That's right. If you just give, but you give the wrong place, then it's going to be a problem. You're going to develop some kind of neurosis and, and, uh, and maybe some aversion to giving. I gave, and I was taken advantage of. Although, I would like to say this. Any giving has value. If you can give to the center, that'll be the best. But develop the tendency to giving, giving of giving, even if you give in the wrong place, that's valuable. But try to find the right place. So some some knowledge is required to love. Truly, if you want to love your baby, you have to know when she's crying, if she's burping because she's drank too much, or or for some other reason, if you know. If you give her the bottle and she's just crying because she's her stomach sore, then uh, from indigestion that won't be uh, the most loving thing to do. Although your intention was good, so some knowledge is required too. So knowledge of the center, and then knowledge of the method of how to come to giving without any expectation. Gradually, how to, a philosophy that will foster that, that will orient us towards that, and a practice that will enable us to catch ourselves when we're not, and so forth. And so, of course, the answer is, well, if, if I give like the cow, 
to use that example. Who will take care of me? That's it then, Gopal, that is what it means. Who takes care of the cows? So this is the idea and the imagery and so forth and the poetry. Don't be afraid if you give. And if you give to this center, which is a theoretical center for you, for us, God is a theoretical center. Maybe. <laughs> Until you go and know and feel. Then some doubt may be there, understandably. Some doubt. But as you go and you know, and you get nourished, and you taste beyond you know, the noetic bliss. This is from yoga. You're going to get this from yoga. <laughs> and it doesn't go away after a while. It stays even while you sleep, awake, and happy, and knowing, and giving. And, and, and what are you coming in contact with by that? You're coming in contact with the idea of Gopal, who's the, who takes care. There's somebody looking out for you by giving. If you give, and you give, especially if you give appropriately, you will not be the loser. So Gokul, Mandal, the circle of the Gokul, Mohite, let it be glorified. And there, it, it says Gokul Taruni. There are so many young girls, Taruni. And amongst them, Radha is, is leading, showing the way to worship completely. How to love, the personification of love. And the idea is there's room for more there. Follow in those kind of footsteps. There's a statement by one of our saints from time gone by. His name is Sanatan Vasami. He writes in a book, Brihad Bhagavatamrita, that Krishna has so many friends in his circle of play. He has girlfriends and boyfriends, right? cow friends, parent friends, the whole thing, all kind of friends. Ho bhagyam, ho bhagyam, nandagopabhishokasham, yang mitram paramanandam puna brahma sanatanam. It's a friendly place, it means. Friendly place there, where the, there's possibility of intimacy. Sanatana Prabhu writes, every friend of Krishna in that lila, every, every, every soul like us who's, who has been objective enough and, and troubled themselves enough to take to the task of ending all troubles. It's troublesome to do yoga, actually and pursue spiritual life seriously, it's troublesome. But it's the, it's the trouble that you take to end all troubles that is worth it. And what you get from that makes the trouble you took seem so insignificant in comparison. You did nothing. It was all grace, you think. It was all grace. You know, if you're falling in a, in a dry well in the middle of the forest, no way out unless I come and throw you a rope. I throw the rope and say, hold on to that. I'll pull you up. Hold on tight. I pull you. When you get to the top, you don't think, boy, I sure held that rope good, didn't I? No, you think, you saved me. It's by your grace, it's possible I'm, I'm at the top. So we should live our life like it depended on our effort, our yogic life, but no. Grace is involved here. Hmm? We have to conduct ourselves like a young girl in such a way as to attract the attention of the Absolute. A kind of attitude that would be, if God used that word, where it wants us to know we can know. Otherwise, forget it. Hmm? If the infinite wants the finite to know it's possible, what have we got going for ourselves? But some type of attitude we can, that will be attractive. Your negative attracts positive, right? Don't be positive magnet after going after the absolute. Like this, pushing your way there. That will repel. Negative, some humility. 
some, you know, people say, well, you know, you people, I've had it said to me, you need God because man, you have a need. You, you have a need, so I don't have a need. I said, the difference between you and me. <laughs> I have a need, I know it, and you don't. You need it, but you don't know it yet. <laughs> you haven't thought of that. <laughs> we are a bubble here, you know. We're here today, and we're gone tomorrow. And so much we're investing in what we think is meaningful. And I'll be gone in a moment. In a moment. I know, we, we, just, we just live in denial. Death is everywhere. Everywhere. And every now and then it happens close to us. We think, my gosh, wow, isn't that something? Yes, it is. We're all waiting for something big to happen so we might get serious about life. It's happening. You're dying. <laughs> now, we can do something about that. We can, do, we can go to Goku. We can get out of this madness of a, of a line of so-called progress. It's it, 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 just a randomness. It's a, it's a quantitative progress lacking any quality, really. It's, it's going nowhere. End of the circle of Goku by, by Aradhanam, Aradhanam, following the footsteps of Radha. Like a young girl, the Leela is depicted like this. Like a young girl falling in love with a young boy. And somebody's trying to get in the way of that. When a young girl falls in love with a young boy, and then someone tries to reason with her, what happens? Oh, that just inflames it that much more, right? They just increase it that much more. So they've talked about spiritual life like this, both in terms of pursuit and in terms of goal, but both in terms of sadhana and sadhya, the attainment, the means and the attainment. And I orient yourself something like, 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 like a beloved in relation to a lover. Try to love uh, reality. And, and then does it, does it, I mean in a yogic sense, of course. It's, it's a big topic, a big subject. Uh, but with some, with some passion. That ahaituki apratiyata yatma samprasiddhati bhakti yogena manis. This, ahaituki apratiyata. Without any motive, separate, without any separateness, without, in such a way that nothing can interrupt it. That nothing can get, your yoga should be like this, that nothing can get in the way of my practice. Nothing. Now, if you do like this, time for yoga, there's time for yoga, there's time for yoga, and I'm there on time, and I'm there on time, then time will become yoga. Yoga will become time. And yoga means for going beyond time. And you will taste, you will know, first you will know, I'm eternal, you will know it by experience. I endure, I'm different than matter. I'm one, I'm, I'm, there's, a, there's a oneness but a difference. Its forms come and go, I endure, you can know it. I mean, you can't, I'm sorry, but you can't talk about it very much. You, I try to say it in, from my own conviction and experience, you can know it. That's the beginning. I'm a unit of enduring Consciousness, it's fascinating. And then, then what now? I know the extent to which I am. Do I have no fear? No fear of death, which is the fear looming for everyone. I have no, I know it. It's a transformation. No one goes anywhere. We should get used to one another. Yoga is for that. Practicing getting used to one another. No one's going anywhere. We're just transforming. So to, to know, and then, so what to, to know that I extent to which I exist, that's, oh, to get your feet on the ground, right? 
And then, for what do I exist? For what purpose? There, there's a purpose to it as well. That is anandam. We have sat, chidan anandam. Sat means exist, but you can exist without knowing it. Or you can know the extent to which you exist. That's peaceful. Or you can know not only the extent to which you exist, but the purpose for which you exist, which is joy and take part in it. That is the idea of, of Leela, described poetically as this Rupa. Shri Rupa has as Gokul Mandal and following in the, in, the, in the lead of the Shakti of Bhagwan Radha, like a young maiden, milk maiden. Thank you. Any question? Any, any help for me? Comment? Uh, Swami? Yes. Uh, my daughter, uh, not your devotee, but my other daughter lost her a very good friend uh, just uh, one week ago. Mm. Uh, she lived about 10 blocks from here, a little bit more. She's a beautiful person and uh, very giving and had a child and a husband. And uh, she uh, took her life by jumping off a bridge here nearby. What happened to her? Where's her consciousness? Well, I think that um, you know we, we could talk about that in terms of kind of general principles, but at the same time, every case is is very every case is specific and individual, and um, I don't think it's auspicious. Uh, and the mystics would tell us that to take one's own life, it's not auspicious. At the same time, it can be a sign of intelligence you know, that the world is, you know, I thought it was a bowl of cherries, but it turned out to be the pits. And in you know, many respects, that, that, that's true objectively. Hmm? It's not what I thought it was. And so, you know, many intelligent people have taken their lives for philosophical reasons, even, maybe not many, but, but some. So it's hard to say what her you know, motive was and, and whatnot in all of that. Can I, can I just say she was diagnosed as being bipolar. Had no reason for that. It was so un, unlike her as a person. She was really a beautiful person and possessed. She she thought that she was evil, which was totally ludicrous. She had been yeah. hospitalized for her bipolar illness. So as a person, she this was not her. But uh, the, the, my question had to do with... Uh, where her consciousness was. I'm looking. I'm looking around for her. I see. Yeah. Feeling mm-hmm. Looking for her. Mm-hmm. Well, um, attachments that we have in life, things that we're, as a unit of consciousness, are, are attached to, are going to um, remain with us largely when we pass from this life into the next. So, from that kind of logic, she's not far. But I haven't seen her. You asked me where she is. <laughs> you have to look harder. She's attached to you, and you're attached to her. So I think if you open yourself, as you, as you apparently have, to the idea that, that um, death is a transformation and a moving on somewhere, I, she's probably not far and um, perhaps better suited to pursue that which her previous life didn't, uh, didn't facilitate. I have a student uh, uh, of mine who has had a bipolar condition and one day set himself on fire in a manic phase and uh, and passed away. Uh, but um, So I'm a little familiar with that uh, kind of thing. 
maybe you want to know if I found them, but um, I think that, um, you know, it'd be hard at the same time to find her in a sense, but, 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 but I think you can be assured she's pretty, pretty close by. Hmm? Best I can do. We had a cow that just died at, uh, at Audaria just a few days ago. It's really my favorite cow, too. We have miniature cows from India. They're natural breed. They only get about 36 inches tall or so. Really charming. And uh, she was my favorite cow. Her name was uh, Suki. It means happy. And it was an accident. And we nursed her for a few days, and she, she passed away. We had a ceremony and so forth. Those are always sobering and... Uh, thought-provoking moments, and um, uh, I know where she is, but, um, so it is possible to know, keep, keep, keep looking. We've taken quite a bit of your good time, and it's 9.06, so we're over time. I thank you all for your attention. I'm sorry if I, you know, was too long-winded. It's hard to sit here for two hours, but you're all yogis, so, <laughs> yogis, so, <laughs> practiced. Thank you again very much. Thank you.